The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone on the West Coast. I'm Patricia Raskin with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. This is the program that tells you and teaches you and shares with you how to turn your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and how to make your dreams come true. And with me by phone is Nora Riley Hall. We're talking about how do you survive when your husband, your partner, retires. She's a workshop presenter for Survive Your Husband's Retirement. Nora Hall provides opportunities for women with retired husbands to discuss, rant, rave, and laugh about the life changes when a husband retires. Her mission is to help every couple make the necessary retirement adjustments and discover bliss in their retirement marriage and how to remember each other's needs and laugh together. Welcome, Nora. Thank you, Patricia. It's nice to be here. Yeah, thanks. This is an interesting very interesting concept. Why did you, um, I mean, go through this every single day. Why did you feel the need to write about this? Well, when my husband retired, both of us were very surprised and frustrated about things that were happening in our relationship. But most of all, we were confused. We couldn't understand what was going on. We had been good friends, and we didn't understand why we were beginning to squabble almost on a regular basis, and we couldn't find any answers. Um, so I started researching retirement marriages um, to see if I could get some information for points of discussion. And all I could find was information on how to finance your retirement or where to find the perfect retirement village. This wasn't our concern. Our concern was trying to learn how to survive living together, no matter where we lived. So I began talking with other wives of retired husbands, and I learned three important things. Every couple experiences some conflict. Um, most wives are somewhat reluctant to talk about it because they they're feel they're being disloyal or because they're embarrassed that they're not getting along. But most importantly, I learned that talking about it and learning to laugh about it is the fastest way to recovery. So I started acting on it and trying to find ways to help other people to open yeah, that Yeah, here's my question. You know, a lot of retired couples, not all, but many are in very long-term marriages. We're talking about 30 years, 40 years, sometimes even greater than that. Mm-hmm. And it, does this make it more difficult, meaning that if in the marriage they've grown apart and they've really focused a lot on their children and their empty nesters and now they're focusing on the grandchildren, is it harder for many couples in retirement, or have you found that different in terms of their relationship together before the retirement began? Um, if I understand the question correctly, um, I would say yes, it quite possibly can be because they have a longer history. They have a longer uh, time to have taken one another for granted and not to have realized, and suddenly they're thrust together 24-7, and um, there's a bit of a shock there in that in that new sudden relationship. And you you know if you've become a creature of habit, you have to learn how to deal with it. And I guess the other question I have, and this is I'm throwing you a curveball a little bit, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Is, do you think that in this stage, long-term marriages, now you're in retirement, now you're with each other more? Do you think you can rekindle the passion you once had? Yes, I do. I think even more so because you've been, if you've been through a lot together, 
you've learned how to deal with it. But now, because you're not dealing with children's issues or just trying to get a career started, if you choose to take the time and the energy, um, there's a newfound love, a newfound um, commitment, I think, that's quite possible and ever deeper than at least for us and for people with whom I've spoken um, is much deeper than the relationship of a you know twenty or thirty year old um, because well, they there's also there's also um, one of the factors in most not in all but in many retirement marriages you're not dealing with the financial pressures you dealt with when you were younger so that's something that makes it easier as well what do you think. Um, I don't think that's true for all people. A lot of right. people today who are retiring took unexpected retirement because of the economy. And um, I know of several, many people who just felt that financially they weren't quite ready to or, or feared that they weren't and had to reevaluate their lifestyles. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Well, let's talk about, um, and so they've done that. They've had to look at that. And yes. so that opens up the lines of communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're going to survive, you have to do that. You've got to come to some kind of mutual understanding for priorities and, and how you're going to live your lives together. What are some of the things you've learned about retirement that you think could be most helpful in a relationship? Hmm. Well, I think the fact, you have to accept the fact that, that the 24-7, I think, is a big factor. Um, we've, as you said, life has, you know, had children, has had jobs, has had all these things. So you kind of developed, if, you, if you're still married after 40 years, you probably have developed a, a reasonable flow of things, but perhaps not thinking about it. It's just happened. Um, in retirement, you just have more time, and you need to take more time to um, to discuss things, to uh, come to mutual agreement, because you're sharing so much more of your day with that one person. Mm. You you write about uh, the seven deadly causes that can help a wife realize that this is just a period of change, and help mm-hmm. your husband work through them. What are they? Well, I think the biggest one is when, um, and it, it, from all of the research I've done, it, it indicates that it's, it's a greater effect on men than it is on women, that sense of loss of power. Even if you worked alone or you had one person who reported to you, someone reported to you, and all of a sudden you don't have that. You can't pick up a phone and say, do this, or I need that, or any of those kinds of things. So suddenly... Um, that sense is, what am, who am I? What am I going to do? Men typically identify as their their primary role in life is to provide for their family, married men, um, with families. Um, and suddenly that's gone, even if there's a pension and that person has provided a good part of that pen, provided for the good part of that pension. That sense of power that I've done this mm-hmm. doesn't exist on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's the biggest one. And then... Out of that comes a distress over this diminishing role that can be acted out in a lot of different ways. Um, some, some men will disengage from life, will kind of recoil and say, I no longer have any purpose. Um, some become very uh, dependent on their wives for their daily activities. They're not used to planning their own schedule or, you know, their own social schedule. Um, some become angry. Some become depressed. And some just don't know how to use their time. And um, that doesn't always last for a long time, but it's, a, it's the initial shock um, on those first few. How did you work out your own retirement issues with your husband, Art? Where were the breakthroughs for you? Um, I think one of the big break- breakthroughs was um, we had, um, I had, I think in retrospect, I had, kind of become the victim. I thought, oh, you know, he's always telling me what to do. He's always questioning. And and I didn't realize that he was just trying to make communication. But anyway, so I kind of withdrew into my my own little shell, fearing that if I said something, it was going to be questioned and that sort of thing. 
and he had to go away for several weeks, and he called faithfully every night. But when he came back, he said, I don't understand why you're so withdrawn and everything. And then I realized that I was as much a part of the problem as he was, and we started really talking, and we made the commitment on a daily basis to say, how are we doing? So that it opened the avenue for each of us to have, if if there was an issue, to talk about it in a non-accusatory way and to really share how we felt about it. And that, that was when I think we really began to share the, both the joys and frustrations and to realize that we wanted to experience the joys more and work toward that. Well, and from that came a book called Survive Your Husband's Retirement. So right. talk about the key points in that book and in some of the workshops that you do. Um, I think... The biggest key point is that it's okay to talk about it, um, that you don't need to be embarrassed, you don't need to feel that you're um, betraying any trust because almost every couple experiences it. Um, in the book, I give some um, researched reasons and, and explanations of why this happens and, and some thoughts, but primarily it's, it's sharing stories, it's sharing opportunities, and it's sharing ideas on, on what are good things that will make the marriage um, work again if it was struggling or, or that will enhance the marriage and enrich it. Um, and the workshops are pretty much the same concept but on a much more interactive basis because one of the things that I'm convinced is that the more you can laugh about something like that and the more you can, you know, we all love misery, misery loves company, so the more you can share your thoughts, um, the easier it is to, to heal whatever the issue is. So, but again, you know, really what you're talking about here is open communication. Exactly. And so you're in, in your workshops, it sounds like you spend a lot of time on that. And as you said, one of the key points is humor. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think without humor, because we all have our foibles, um, whether we're 20 or 60, but I think we tend to be more sensitive to them as we get older. And if you can laugh about them, um, then you can share them willingly with others and realize that it's not such a big deal. So talk about the workshops that you teach, where you teach them and how you teach them. Do you do them online at all, or is it mostly in person? I haven't done any online because um, I like that personal contact, although eventually I may... Um, you know, I'm a technophobia, so what can I say? Um, but I, I keep thinking that it would be a great opportunity because it could be, I could share it with so many other people. Um, so that's down the line. Right now I do um, more on a personal basis. Um, I'm, the summer is pretty slow, but I'm scheduled to do, people don't tend to do those kinds of workshops in the summer, but I'm scheduled yeah. right now to do one at the um, Osher um, Lifelong Learning um, a program at uh, University of Rhode Island, and in working on, you know, various, setting up a couple of other uh, local I, to Rhode Island um, I workshops. Think I think what's interesting here is you note that there are a couple of books, one written on the joy of retirement, the other one on the new retirement, on the marriage relationship when a husband retires, and you say that the last thing published on this specific topic of marriage in retirement was in 1986. Basically what I was saying was that the two books that you talked about retirement, Joy of Retirement and the New Retirement, were written, but there's very little written on relationship in retirement since 1986. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you really see a need for this. I do because, um, well, my it was... The need was personal at first because um, my typical response when I'm faced with an issue or a question is to head to the library to try and find some written information on it by someone who's researched or lived it, experienced it, and so forth. And I really couldn't find anything. When I did find this book from 1986, a lot of it wasn't relevant. Um, It was presumed that the wife had been at home all the time and that her role was to make life perfect for her husband. I still think as husbands and wives we want to do that for our spouses, but 
it, it's not the sole responsibility of the female. I think it's a mutual responsibility. No, and, uh, well, go ahead. And, and this book just didn't particularly address that because of its audience. You so know, let me ask you this. What about in today's world, though, where there are many dual marriage, both both people are working and have careers. Right. So uh, do you see that as much with uh, two people uh, who've had their own careers? Um, you know, it, from, I haven't totally researched when a wife retires. I concentrated on, um, you know, when the husband retires. But what I have found in that process, too, is that women typically – even as they're working um, full-time careers, they tend to um, uh, uh, nurture their friendships more often, more regularly. Um, and um, so when they retire, they have a network of friends that aren't work-related. And so they still have a social life, if you will. Um, and, and also, they t- women tend to have more hobbies than a lot of men. I won't say no men have hobbies by any means, but in general, from what I found, women have more outside interests, I guess you would say. So they kind of fall into the role of retirement a little more easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, tell us how people can find your book. How can they find you uh, to ask you questions or if they're on the East Coast to attend a workshop? Um, my website is uh, www.surviveyourhusbandsretirement.com. Long, but I think it's, um, it says it all. So, And um, on that is information about the blogs and, and uh, the workshops. I have a blog there that um, I would love to hear people comment and, and share their thoughts with it. And the book, I'm working with a publisher right now. It's not out yet, but hopefully very soon. Just very good. Closing thoughts for us. What would you like people to, what's your message? If people get one thing out of this interview on surviving your husband's retirement, what would you like it to be, Nora? That retirement, if you choose to make it so, can be the, the third and the best stage of a marriage. Hmm. Because I've, I've met many women who felt doomed to be there um, for their husband's concerns and demands and and suddenly felt like their life had ended it doesn't have to at all yeah and i think one of the main things that i've gotten is you talk about how important humor is yes mm-hmm. but of course yeah. if, if, I, well if you know marriage... that, maybe that's just my personality i have a little bit of irish in me and you have to you know you learn to laugh at life um but uh i just think that sometimes we're in the middle of something um it feels so traumatic, and if you just put a little bit of a light spin on it, you think, why was I worried about that? And that's how I translate humor. And, I, you know, that may be some work for couples that haven't had a lot of humor in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Yes, it could be, yeah. But um, I, I think it's worth the effort. I think it's, um, I think, and their definition of humor may be different than mine, but at least to um, kind of, and I don't mean accept it, but to look at it and ask themselves, what is the light part of that? What can we do to make it light if there is no light in it? Um, and how do we make it work together? Uh, and I think humor is even a form of just understanding and caring for others. Yeah. I don't mean it in the sense of, um, you know, stand-up comedy, but just lightness in, in your interpretation of life. Right. All right, Nora, tell us again how people can find you. www.surviveyourhusbandsretirement.com All right. And uh, can they write to you? They can. Uh, the easiest way is to go to that website and, and then do it, or they can just do Nora at Survive Your Husband's Retirement. My guest has been Nora Riley Hall, writer and workshop presenter for Survive Your Husband's Retirement, where she provides opportunities for women with retired husbands to discuss, rant and rave and laugh about the changes in their lives when a husband retired with a real mission of helping couples make necessary retirement adjustments and how to grow an understanding of one's other's needs and remembering how to laugh together. Thank you so much, Nora, for being on the program. Thank you very much, Patricia. It was a pleasure.
All right, stay on the line, please. All right, remember, folks, uh, coming up next, we're going to do another interview, and uh, so we're very looking forward to having Julie Danilik on the program. Meals to Heal Inflammation is the book. Stay tuned. We're not going anywhere, and you're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on America's Voice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Michelle Kors Six Degrees is your connected consciousness. Six Degrees is what comes around, goes around radio. Committed to delivering a fresh perspective on thought-provoking, investigative information that can change your life. Six Degrees connects you to the social and emotional scene and is your trusted advisor from finance to romance, mainstream to metaphysical. It's a positive, upbeat look at life, love, and the pursuit of passion. Get connected Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's sex education like you've never heard before. Want to improve your love life? You know, that love life. Join sexual wellness expert and certified erotic educator Jaya for Sex with Jaya. She'll bring you cutting-edge techniques to expand your erotic repertoire. Jaya will offer advice and speak with guests who will shed light on everything to do with sex. You can even listen together with that special someone. Sex with Jaya is broadcast live every Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. We are back. You are listening to the second part of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. We have two great interviews for you today. And um, our guest on the phone is Julie Daniluk. And she is a nutritionist, RHN, and she has a brand new book, which is called Meals That Heal Inflammation. And I want to tell you a little bit about Julie. Julie Daniluk is a respected nutrition and wellness expert. She's the co-host of The Healthy Gourmet a reality cooking show with a unique twist on the ongoing battle between taste and nutrition, which airs on OWN, which is Oprah Winfrey's network. She's also known in her native Canada for her busted segments on The Right Fit and The Marilyn Dennis Show, and for her weekly contribution of an original healthy recipe to Shadowland Magazine. She's appeared on over 300 TV and radio segments across the up North America, including The Dr. Oz Show and Entertainment Tonight. And for 12 years, she was the cooperative owner and chief in store nutritionist for one of Canada's largest health food stores, The Big Carrot. Wow. Welcome, Julie. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is always Wow, wow, and today. wow. I've interviewed Dr. Oz, and he's, he's really oh, wow. delightful he's and brilliant. Yes, yes. Yeah, now, this, I want to tell you that this interview actually strikes a chord with my heart and my body. Mm-hmm. Because um, I have some have had some inflammation and some mild arthritis and some uh, intolerance of things that are inflammatory like foods, and I've seen a huge, huge difference in my energy and in how I feel when I've stayed away from those foods that are inflammatory. So oh. you're speaking to somebody who's done this, seen a difference. Many times, I think. I want to start the interview by saying I think a lot of us out there really don't think or don't believe that just eliminating some foods can make such a huge difference in how you feel. Yes, and I really hope Take today... Take it away, Julie. Yeah, I really hope today to share... Uh, enough information that people will be uh, enrolled in changing their diet. That's that's really my mission on this planet, is if we can really have people understand that uh, if you think of your body like a house and you're building the bricks of the house over and over because we literally regenerate our cells, right? We, we turn over our skin cells so rapidly that we can really recreate ourselves through the foods that we eat. Um, food isn't just fuel. It becomes every single tissue in your body. So uh, why not start with the strongest bricks and mortar, and that's whole, healthy food. And it doesn't have to taste like cardboard. I mean, that's really what my yeah. TV show is all about. Let me ask you something, Julie, because this is sure. a question that I, I don't understand. I've talked to a lot of my colleagues about it. You know, 20, 30 years ago, nobody was talking about gluten-free. Uh, and now today, it has sprung up everywhere. You can get pastries and cakes. There are bakeries that have gluten-free. Restaurants have gluten-free menus. My question, just, and we're going to talk about dairy and we'll talk about alcohol later. But my question about gluten and gluten-free is what is the issue? Is it that they're processing wheat differently? Are there preservatives or chemicals when they make the wheat to the flour? What's going on that so many people have allergies to gluten? I think that it starts with our environment shift and the fact that we have so many toxins in our environment that our cup is already overflowing. Your immune system uh, is very fine-tuned, and if you assault it over and over again with the same food, people are eating such refined wheat. And you're right, the type of wheat that is being produced nowadays seems to be more of an issue than it was many years ago. One in 700 people were intolerant to gluten uh, 100 years ago. Now it's 133. One in 133 people are full celiac. And now one in 10 people will find gluten causes irritation. It will cause bloating or gas or distension or they just don't feel themselves. And right. that's and why I'm not, let me just say this to you. I'm not talking about celiac disease. I'm talking mm-hmm. about just, just you know, yeah. either uh, feeling, uh, from my case, logy or starting to break out or get hivey, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's where we're, we're, we're normally looking in the range of 1 in 10 people. That's a lot. That means that's why it's popping up on menus because everyone's starting to say to the waiter, hey, is there any gluten-free options? I really need to avoid uh, gluten. So I want people to, to really just just really know that there's foods that are taste amazing, that you won't have to be deprived. 
because right. people really are scared to give up what they love because it's their comfort food. But one really cool thing to know is that you're addicted to the food that you're allergic to because it spikes your adrenaline. So yeah. all of a sudden you feel this rush yeah. and this high. The second you eat something your adrenaline, you're addicted, you're actually allergic to, but then uh, shortly after you're going to have a crash and feel lower than you did when you started. So when you start to find new foods, new substitution foods that can be both incredible for your tongue and for your body, then you end up really feeling Yeah, you know, I want to say something about it. It's interesting you'd say that because I am enjoying all my food, but I do not have that addicted quality I think I had before where it used to be, oh, I've got to have more of that. Yeah, exactly. I enjoy it, but I don't have that, um, I don't know what you call it, that need Mm -hmm. to have more of it. Yeah, exactly, because there's a difference between your intuition, your, your true intuitive eating, and addiction and craving. When you're craving, you feel a little bit insane, you know, kind of similar to smoking cigarettes or people who are alcoholics. Like, you truly can be a food addict, where when you swing into intuitive eating, you have a natural set point. It's really hard to overeat broccoli. This is a really good example, right? It's like you got kind of a, a, a fill point where, yeah, you like broccoli, but, like, Let's face it, more than a cup or two, and you're like, okay, thanks, that's great. So there's natural set points with most um, with most whole healing foods because it's got oftentimes within that taste, it'll have sweet, sour, bitter, salty, all wrapped up into one. It's deeply satisfying instead of it being that top-tier single note like sugar, which is so specific and so spiky that you go after it time and time again. If you eat, like, say, a sweet potato, um, then it will be sweet but not overpowering, and therefore you stay very balanced and you don't, you don't overindulge in it. It's, it's really possible. And, and that's why I love Meals That Heal Inflammation is I wanted to create a book that was tasty enough that you could stay on a it versus a diet because a diet is food prison, and you can only stay in prison for so long before you try to break out, Right. So let's, let's stick with something that's going to actually last for you, which is really important. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the things that are problematic. Now, uh, we've been picking on gluten, but it's not the only culprit. Yeah. There's also people are dairy intolerant, lactose intolerant. People are intolerant um, sometimes to, to alcohol. Yeah. Uh, so it could be, you know, it could be a few things. It could yeah. be, right? It could be dairy. It could be Definitely. wheat. Well, the big thing is, is to know that the, in my book, I really explain that there's food sensitivities that are very subtle that a lot of people don't pick up on. Then there's food intolerances where you don't have an enzyme to break the food down. So that's like a lactose intolerance, meaning mm. you're missing the enzyme lactase to actually split lactose into the simple sugars. And then you've got a full-fledged allergy. That's when your immune system will overreact. And that's really dangerous because an allergy can directly lead to powerful inflammation in the body. So we have to pay attention to all these three different types of, of, uh, of the ways that the body copes and gives us symptoms. And those symptoms could be redness, heat, swelling, pain, you know, brain fog, dark circles, all these subtle symptoms that we might rack up to aging or we might rack up to, you know, just feeling under the weather, but they're directly tied to food. Because the second I go back to truly eating an anti-inflammatory diet, which is about 99% of my life now, if I ever have a time at a wedding where I'm not in control of what I eat, wow, the difference I feel. I remind myself of how the average person lives in their body. And, and you really can turn it around when you reach for anti-inflammatory foods. All right. Our guest today is Julie Genelik. She's the author of Meals That Heal Inflammation, Embrace Healthy Living and Eliminate Pain, One Meal at a Time, published by Hay House. She's a registered holistic nutritionist and one of Canada's leading wellness experts. And she's talking about how inflammation, which is an immune response to injury, infection, allergies, or toxins, is at the root of a staggering number of diseases and disorders. And we're talking here about how food can treat inflammation. So let's define what inflammation is, Julie. Definitely. Inflammation is the body's response to injuries and infections, irritations, that's including food intolerances, and imbalances, hormonal imbalances, 
those those all that's that's the body responding to all of those different incoming factors, right? And and if you have an injury, we know the swelling, the redness, the heat. If we have the infection, remember when you swallow when you have a strep infection and it's so painful that you can literally feel the burn. That's that's the infection causing an actual inflammation. What are the major causes of inflammation? The major causes are the are the infections and the irritations that that are in our world. So the toxins in our environment, the food, uh, the food allergies that we keep consuming, the infections that we come in contact with, and also for for a lot of people, hormonal imbalances that are caused by excess toxicity. So we'll see that women have too much estrogen. If their estrogen's too high, they can end up with endometriosis or fibroids. Uh, you know, women can have serious uh, issues with hot flashes as they age because they have these hormonal imbalances. And in the background, there's inflammation looming that we have to address. And that's what I really to help, that really help people deal with is, okay, so we've got the main cause, the main cause being infections and irritations. And how do we turn that around? Well, we give the body what it needs to build a stronger immune system and we really work on eliminating any of the food allergies so that we can feel empowered and feel the energy really come back to us. If you had to tell people to stop eating one food, what would it be? It would definitely be white bread. White bread, the gluten, and the the bread, refined flour turns down, it turns into sugar right in your mouth. You Mm. break it down with um, amylase, the digestive enzyme in your mouth. It splits it into simple sugars, and boom, your 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 blood sugar is going up as high as if you were drinking straight glucose. So this would be not just white flour. This could be cake. Right? Cookies? Yeah, absolutely. Any flour. So any, any of the refined flour. And it doesn't even need to be wheat flour. But if we refine things to a flour, so pasta, cakes, cookies, those are all very inflammatory. But not to worry. You can make anti-inflammatory cookies. I have one in my book. We just want to switch to anti-inflammatory things. Like, like I use almond flour, which is very low on the sugar scale. Um, there's, there's virtually, there's very little carbohydrates in almonds at all. So that they taste creamy and chewy and delicious, um, but there, there's actually no flour in them at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I've had some of those. They're wonderful. What are some of the steps to heal inflammation? Well, the big step is, first up, we really do a pantry purge and get rid of the inflammatory foods in your life. So we're going to look at getting rid of inflammatory oils. I have to tell you that the number one thing besides eliminating refined carbohydrates is if I could really get people to clean up the oil in their life. The oil spills everywhere. <laughs> you know, forget Exxon and cleaning up the, the oceans. We've really got to clean up our own what oil. What kind of supply. oil are we talking about, Julie? Yeah, the oils would be refined canola oil, vegetable oil, the, you know, the refined oils that we see on packages, soy oil, safflower oil. These oils, um, when they're highly refined, um, are very damaging to our system. Right, they, what would be a good oil that we could have? Absolutely. So olive oil is exceptionally healing and anti-inflammatory. Um, omega-3 oils, so our flax oil, our hemp oil, chia, all of those seed oils are, are very healing and anti-inflammatory. Um, and if you're wanting to cook things, then coconut oil is very beneficial because coconut, being a saturate, it can handle a little bit of heat. Because really what I try to do is steam, poach, and bake and then add my sauces afterwards instead of having all my uh, food uh, fried in oil. We want to avoid frying as much as, as possible if we really what want to. What about grapeseed oil? Grapeseed oil is at least got a high smoke point, and that's why it's seen as positive. But I just want people to be careful that um, we avoid eating too much omega-6. So whenever possible, if you're not heating it, move to using an omega-3 oil, like a flax oil. Uh, hemp oil is absolutely delicious and one of my favorites. Okay. And, and another one that's cool, avocado oil is all the rage. Which one? Avocado oil is all it's the good. rage. You yeah. know what else I'm seeing a lot of? It's not an oil, but you were talking about coconut oil, is coconut milk. And I'm seeing hemp, uh, flaxseed milk, coconut milk, soy milk, oh. rice milk. If you're not eating dairy, and I know that's another inflammatory, can be inflammatory, which of those milks do you suggest? There's so many. As I said, there's almond, there's hazelnut. Yeah, I say rotate because rotation is the key to avoiding allergies. 
Because the worst thing is when people go off wheat and then they start eating potato flour every single day and then they become sensitive to that. So the key is to really rotate because we want to trick your immune system. Our immune system is triggered by eating foods constantly. So if we can really just do a rotation diet where we give it a rest and like so we buy one one uh, liter of almond milk and then the next time try flax milk and the next time try quinoa milk and the next that's the way to really make sure that you have ultimate nutrition as well because they all have different nutritional profiles and you're going to get different nutrients from each one so it's great to to, to give them Julie what variety. about alcohol what about wine I mean there have been sure. times I've had wine and I've started to break out in little hives and then there's yeah. times that I'm not is there something are there sulfites in the wine that, yeah. that are causing that Yes, sulfites in wine are a big trigger for histamines. So histamines are within your mast cells, within your body, and if you if you take in something that triggers the histamine response, boom, you're going to have major hives. And women find that they have much harder time with hot flashes if they drink alcohol. Um, it's very congestive to your liver, right? Your body has to metabolize the alcohol, so it has to put your, your hormone metabolism in the background. It doesn't have a chance to deal with that. So it's really important to moderate the amount of alcohol you have and also switch it around and see maybe you have a, like if you really want to have a special occasion, you might tolerate sake better, which is rice. rice well, you know something else I found actually that's interesting is potato vodka. Right. So some people do better with uh, with. For you, it was vodka. For for someone else, they they might find uh, that having alcohol from honey, like like there's there's even um, we're going back to mead, which is a which is a whole you know ancient way of making honey into alcohol. You can ferment anything into alcohol. So again, like we did with the milks, rotating your alcohol till you find one that does you know has less of a hangover potential, and uh, keeping your portions down to one or two servings is really important. Right. Yes, yeah. I've been doing that, and um, I'll just have a little bit. But I've been staying away from wine because it just, again, uh, I never know which one's going. I'm going to react to. Exactly. That's really important. Is to listen to your body, and that's what meals that heal inflammation is all about. It's not a diet. It's a. It's an investigation. It's really an investigation. We're trying to help people find mm-hmm. what works for them. All right. Let's move on to dairy. That's another real problematic area. Yes. People who are lactose intolerant. Yeah, lactose intolerance is a major issue for distension, bloating, gas, but also can be really affecting your emotions and your mind. People who have a casein allergy, which is the protein of dairy, uh, can have more anxiety and can certainly have more inflammation occur. Um, dairy is also very high in, um, in the fats that cause inflammation. So we definitely want to cut back on dairy and, and really move in other forms of creaminess, like I use hemp seeds to thicken soups, uh, coconut milk uh, to make a delicious curry in, in the book, Meals That Heal. Um, there's so many substitutions now that you, you don't ever have to go without flavor. Um, but dairy is a culprit, um, and I, I'd really love people to also watch their potatoes. Do you know potatoes uh, contain a, a toxin called solanine? that can trigger inflammation in your joints. So I just want people to check in, and that's why I, I really encourage a two-month uh, program of, of elimination where we cut out inflammatory foods and see what, you, what they feel like when they get all of those foods out of the diet. Then we put them back one at a time and test and see whether they're the culprit of your inflammation. Yeah, yeah so, so dairy is a tricky one. Dairy, dairy is a tricky one because it is hidden. But I know that a lot of people are, are finding that if they if they announce their allergies at a at a restaurant, that it's very easy for things to be swapped out. Um, I have never gone to a restaurant where I'm not able to eat at least one or two things on the menu. And also, don't be shy to have the the chef cook up something that isn't on the menu because they want you to be happy and come back. And and oftentimes, I'll just wave off the bread bowl that you know initially you fill up on, um, and then all of a sudden you've got so much more room for all the delicious flavor. And I have found I've had testimonials of people saying they lose between 20 and 40 pounds on the meals that heal plan because when you eliminate all those empty carbohydrates, you naturally balance your weight without even trying to be on a diet. It's great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Now, in your book, let's talk about your book because it's it's a beautiful looking book. It's very well written, very thick, and you have lots of recipes and pictures as well. Yes, definitely. Well, the the book came from five years of of my practice. I, I've been in practice mm. for twelve years. But I wrote the book over five years to know that it's been edited six times. It has 15 pages of scientific references in it. It's a real, um, I try to call it the opus, really my, my big book of, of really wanting to import all my knowledge to have people understand how to heal themselves. And I'm also creating an online club called the Meals That Heal Club, which is really exciting so that people can interact with me and and have like online coaching and additional meal plans so that they feel really supported cuz i know that a lot of people feel like a change is is big but a change can be so exciting and can really feel uh, really leave you feeling uh, empowered and I, that's truly what i want to impart with people today is that um if you just take the the first step you'd be happily surprised how much support is out there because let's face it we're on a major food revolution you know led by the the likes of dr oz and and amy oliver there's so many incredible people that are empowered by food now that um this is the new way and and really it's the old way we're just going back to how we ate a hundred years ago one of the things you have in your book that can really help people as they're listening to you determine if they have an issue is in Chapter 4, you have a, a test, and yeah. it's called uh, How to Use the MTHI to Deal with These Nagging Infections. Mm-hmm. And so you list about 10 or 15 things, and people list whether they've never had it, they've had it, or they are experiencing this issue now. And it's everything from having heart disease to being constipated to having a chronic infection to candida to an ulcer to smoking to allergic to mold, and then what you do is analyze, you know, what you what what they have. Yeah, I really love that uh, we have put quizzes throughout the book to really help people be that detective for themselves. It, it's just so important that we look deeper because people don't make that connection that um, a, a gum a gum infection can cause a heart attack and that the toenail infection that they have could be excess candida in their body that's really causing their digestive stress. So there's major links between the infections in your body, and that's why I want people to deal with the small infections before they run away and become huge infections. So I do should, hope that... Should people go to their doctors to be tested? Is there a way to test this, Julie? Yes, there is. But I have to say that um, beyond uh, having classic inflammatory markers checked by your doctor, there's... There is a test that the doctor can run called your C-reactive protein test, which is very good. Or the short form, go ask your doctor for a CRP test. Um, but a naturopathic doctor can do much deeper analysis. Uh, they can do hormonal testing. They can do a food allergy testing. Um, it, it, it is great to work in, in the, the new holistic realm uh, because they will go um, into great detail. So that is another option uh, that people can have, and it's often covered by extended health care. Yeah, for sure. Which is, which is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a, a couple minutes left. So what would you like to leave our listeners with? In, what is really your main message here? My main message is that food heals you beyond your wildest dreams and that uh, know that I had horrific inflammation. I, I had... My bowel was falling apart. I had an infection in Thailand that left me temporarily paralyzed. I had to be carried to the hospital um, where I had no digestive function left. And through eating powerful healing foods, I was able to go into complete remission. And I've shared this with hundreds of thousands of people now who um, are just so enrolled as well. Uh, It's a best-selling book in Canada. I hope that people in America tune into it and find it helpful. Um, and that everything from asparagus to shiitake mushrooms to turmeric and ginger and garlic and onions and broccoli, they're all healing, and that I explain exactly how they heal you, and then follow it up and roll all those delicious foods into recipes that are super easy to use. So um, I just want to pay it forward. I just want the healing that I've received, I want other people to have, because I know that um, 
pain can make you very sad and can bring you down, and and it doesn't have to be that way. I've seen. Well, I think it's parents. amazing. You know, I think one of the most compelling things about what you said is that you went through this yourself, and yeah. I have to tell you that seventy to eighty percent of the experts that I interview on my program, and I've interviewed about two thousand people are people who have been through what they're writing about, which yes. makes this so much more powerful because you're not standing there in an ivory tower. You're saying, hey, I healed myself using this. Yeah, and that at any moment you can turn around what you're dealing with. I, I just know that if anyone's out there listening and they feel like ah, I'm too old or I'm too far gone or my disease state is too progressed, you can turn it around. I've seen absolute miracles from from cancer to complete remission of arthritis. It's incredible. So people can reach me on Facebook and Twitter at my name, which is just Julie Daniluk. And I know I have a, a, a cool Slavic name, so I'll spell it out for you if you like. It's Julie, J-U-L-I-E. Daniluk is D-A-N-I-L-U-K. And my, my actual website is just juliedaniluk.com. And then Facebook and Twitter the same. And my book is available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles, you name it, because I, I'm so thrilled that Hay House picked it out. Um, uh, of course, Louise L. Hay and her wonderful group of healers, it's such a wonderful family to be uh, connected to. And, and it's, I'm, I'm so happy that they like the book. Thank you so much for being on the program, Julie. Well, thank really, you really appreciate generosity. it. Yeah, you're a wonderful interviewer, and I know how much thank you're you. truly enrolled in this. Thank you. All right, and again, let's give your website one more time. Julie Daniluk, D-A-N-I-L-U-K dot com. Thanks. All right, thank you, folks. This wraps up um, Patricia Raskin, Positive Living. My guest has been Julie Daniluk, and her brand new book is Meals That Heal Inflammation, Embrace Healthy Living, and Eliminate Pain One Meal at a Time. Uh, I really suggest this book. Wonderful information and great recipes. All right, folks, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living on Voice America, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.